All right, uh, we are continuing with our three simple rules. Uh, if you remember, we've talked about do no harm, and uh, the bullet points on that was don't add to the darkness. <laughs> There's more than enough darkness in the world, uh, in our lives, that we don't need to be adding to it. Um, and then God has given us a way for imperfect people to love perfectly, and that is when we do add to the darkness, because we will, because we're human, then we fix it. And how do we fix it? Through confession, repentance, forgiveness. And so then we talked about, as we shifted to the do good, that it's not just enough, especially as followers of Christ, not to add to the darkness. We have to do more than that. If we are... uh, Say we are followers of Christ, that we are born of the Spirit, we are reborn of of the Spirit, we are connected to the Spirit, then the very Spirit of God lives in us, in the very light of God. We become children of God, children of light, and so we would add to the light and, and bring light into the darkness. It's not enough just not to contribute to the darkness. We have to be a light. And today we're going to talk about a more specific way of doing that, and that is to be a neighbor. You know, if we understand the two greatest commandments, the foundation of our faith, Jesus says in the Gospels version of the two greatest commandments um, in, in Matthew, that it is to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So it's, it's in the two Greatest commandments is a foundational understanding of who we are as Christians, to love our neighbor. So there is a text, as we, you saw, uh, acted out by our not-ready-for-prime-time players, um, about the Good Samaritan. And so as we look at the Good Samaritan, it talks about the neighbor. So let's read through the text in Luke chapter 10, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. He said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all of your mind, and love your neighbors as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened along, going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. 
Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of God for the people of God. So this is a great text. This is a foundational text of how we understand what it is to be Christian, what it is to be Jesus' followers. And as we read this, we see that there, there's all kinds of good stuff in here, right? It, it's very comprehensive. At the very beginning, uh, Jesus was being tested. They were trying to trick him and test him all the time. And so he was asked, well, you know, what must he do? And uh, the, the text says... He wanted to justify himself. Now, that's just a, a little kind of side comment, but it's a huge part of Scripture. It's a huge part of what we understand as, as grace in the gospel. Because one of the major things that conflicts with the true gospel of grace in Jesus Christ is what we call works righteousness. And that is where we want to justify ourselves by us being good, us following the law. And we've talked about that, and that can't be done. If the law could save, Jesus didn't need to come and go to the cross. But the law, as we learn in Romans, as we learn in Galatians, as we know from our own experience, the law cannot save. And so, but here we are. Now, that's, all that stuff is in uh, the books of Romans and Galatians and the explanation, uh, the theological explanation is going to be given by Paul. But here Jesus is using it in a real life story. The man, the lawyer, wanted to justify himself. And so in trying to justify himself, what does he do? He says, I got to know exactly who I'm supposed to be nice to, right? Because you don't want to waste that stuff. All right, so I want to be clear on who my neighbor is because I don't want to have to be nice to everybody. I don't want to have to love everybody. So could you tell me exactly who my neighbor is? And then Jesus goes into the story. And oftentimes, this is our human tendency. We want to put ourselves in the story. And so probably unconsciously, when we read about the Good Samaritan, we we say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm the good Samaritan. I'm the one that would have helped. But we're trying to put our, oftentimes we put ourselves as the star, right? You go back into in David and Goliath and preachers guide you that way sometimes. It's like you're conquering your giants and all of a sudden you're David in the story. And no, who, who we probably are are the scared Israelites in the mountains, right? That's if we want to put ourselves anywhere. If we want to put ourselves anywhere in this story, we're probably more like the Levite or the priest, if we want to be honest about it. But in reality, the story is not about a person. Even though the lawyer wants to justify himself, and he wants to know who his neighbor is, and so you think, who's the neighbor? And, and so we get into this unnamed person who has been beaten up, who can't offer him anything, and, and we talk about that, and you think, oh, maybe it's him, and then we talk about the Samaritan. He brings in 
this Samaritan person, and, and it's very, most people know this. I mean, the, the conflict between the Israelites and the Samaritans was very big, and it's throughout Scripture. The woman at the well was talking about two places they worshiped and the conflict that was there. So it's throughout the Bible. So the Samaritan Jesus used uh, very clearly to contrast um, that this was no friend by cultural standards. But it's not even about the Samaritan. We call the story the Good Samaritan, but it's not about the Samaritan. Where the lawyer was trying to justify himself and say, who is my neighbor? Jesus turned the question around, and at the end, he said, who was the neighbor? That's the question. That's the point of the story. Who was the neighbor? Well, the Samaritan, but it's not even about him. If it was about him, then we would have to be a Samaritan. It's not about him. What is this text about? We just sang a bunch of songs about it. The point of this story is mercy. Is mercy. It doesn't matter who you are or who's you plugged into the story. The story would be the same way for Jesus' purposes as long as the same players, then they could be different people. The priest could be in the good Samaritan spot, in the Samaritan spot, and vice versa. They could trade places. The story would be the same. Whoever showed mercy is the neighbor. So it's not about who. And so, there's, so now that we know it's about mercy, our story gives us kind of three characteristics that we can look at. So understand when we talk about being the light and adding to the light and then about being a neighbor, what we need to draw from this is that we be the light, that we are a neighbor, we be a neighbor when we show mercy. That's what we need to pay attention to when we go out in the world. How do I be a neighbor? How do I um, be the light? How do I show I'm a follower of Christ? By showing mercy. And so there's three characteristics we can learn from this story about mercy. One, mercy is there to address suffering. Now, there's kind of two aspects. One aspect of mercy is, one definition is, um, you don't get what you deserve. Like, justice is you get what you deserve. Uh, grace is uh, you get what you don't deserve. And mercy is you don't get what you deserve. Right? So when we are talking about mercy, and we talk about we receiving mercy from God on the cross, you know, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. All, of the, all have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. None of us are what we should be. So we're all in the same boat. Right? So we don't have to be self-righteous because I'm a sinner and you're a sinner. We might have different sins, or we might excel at different sins. Your specialty might not be my specialty. But we're all sinners. So we're all in the same boat. And so that's where we start from. And so we have to show that mercy to everybody. So it's not about us. It's not about us. And so we all deserve judgment. Right? Scripture tells us if we're all sinners, then we all deserve judgment, punishment by the law. Right? We fall short. We don't keep the law, the legalistic terms of the Old Testament. But we just know, I mean, just look at the shape of the world. 
We can sit back and say, oh my gosh, this world is just not what it should be. It's a disaster in some places. But you know what? We contribute to it. Remember what we talked about last week? You might say, well, I don't do a lot of bad stuff. I know, but how much good stuff do you do? Remember the sin of commission and the sin of omission? What are you doing to alleviate suffering? Because that's what ultimately mercy is. Even in the judgment sense of mercy, because if you put us in where we should be, we should be on the cross, we should be the ones taking the punishment for our sin, but we don't get what we deserve because Jesus did that for us. He showed us mercy by taking our place. And so that is mercy. And it eases suffering, but not just us theologically for our salvation and eternal punishment or however you want to phrase that. And he just shows us mercy, but he also, we also ease suffering like in our story. When we see suffering around us, when we see someone in pain, someone hurting, we should go out there and we, we should do something. I don't know if you all remember this. this I'm the, I can never give this analogy that makes it as funny as I think it is. Did you, all, you see, you remember Meet the Parents with Ben Stiller and Robert De Niro? And there was this, the blonde guy, I forgot his real name, but he was playing some real pretentious, rich trader, and uh, they were teasing Ben Stiller about being a nurse, and if you remember that. And he goes, oh, the, the old boyfriend, the arrogant, kind of shallow guy, it's like, oh, nurse, that's really nice that you do a lot of good stuff for people. And, and really, you know, and that's good to do that kind of stuff. He goes, yeah, I remember the other day I saw this... Um, dog on the side of the road, and he had this hurt paw. And you thought it was going somewhere, and he's like, yeah, I looked at that. Yeah, it made me feel bad. <laughs> okay, who wants to eat, right? So which leads us to our next point, which leads us to our next point, that mercy is an action in our story. And Jesus said what? Who showed him mercy? Who did something. Understand, compassion is a feeling. Jesus looked out on the, the masses and they were lost and leaderless and he had compassion in his heart. So compassion is a feeling. And we can all have compassion like, oh, look at the dog with the hurt paw. Okay. Yeah, and just go on. And we have to be careful that we don't fall into that, especially nowadays. With all the social media, you know, and, and you've probably heard me talk about, and it's pet peeve in my virtue signaling. You, you've heard that term where you go out and you show how virtuous you are on, on Facebook. And that, that's not, I mean, you can do your cause, do whatever. I'm not picking on that. But what we, what's, what we have to be careful about is because now on social media, you show some type of feeling or compassion or support, and you, because you typed it and people responded, you think, oh, I did something. Right? Oh, I did something. No, you didn't do anything. You just shared your feelings. It's not a substitute for actual acts of mercy and kindness. I know people, no one in here, everyone just clear that up. I know people that 
put all kinds of stuff on there, just constantly. And I also know them well, and I know they don't do anything along those lines. So, so I would go so far as to say, ultimately, you can have that feeling of compassion for somebody, but if it doesn't translate into an act of mercy, was it truly compassion? I'm not going to answer that for you, but think about that. If we just feel it for a while and it doesn't result, that compassion does not result in an act of mercy, is it truly compassion or is it maybe more about you? So it addresses and alleviates suffering, mercy, and it is an action that comes from a feeling of compassion. And finally, the third point is it is not dependent on any person, just like our story. It is not dependent on who the person is. It is not dependent on who you are. Compassion and mercy exist for their sake alone. Scripture says, ultimately, after all it says about God, it says in 1 John, God is love. You want to know? So as a pastor, you can go into a Bible study and people ask all these questions about God. Well, why does God do this? Well, why does God do this? Well, why did God do this? And and you can just go and, and you can give all kinds of answers depending on the question. But in the end, the one big answer is God is love. God is love. Why does God... Why does God do that? God is love. That's it. And so, you know why God, and this is where we get it skewed a little bit in church, where we begin, we we can make church all of a sudden just about us. And we can say, God loves you because you are such a good person and you are so worthy. Have you heard that stuff in church? No, you're not. Right? That's not what Scripture says. We all have our faults. We all have our weaknesses. We might have some good points. But there's some stuff about me that's hard to love. I just, did you hear that in Fort Worth, that amen? It was was a little faint, but I heard that. God loves us because God is love. And that's what I would much rather have than love being loved because of my own merits. Because there's some days I might be worthy of some, but there's other days I'm not worthy of any. And remember the old saying, there's nothing I can do to make God love me more, and there's nothing I can do to make God love me less. That's not about me. That tells us about God. In his love. So when we have true compassion, when we have true, it doesn't matter who they are. Our character is defined by who's not around and who we help. Jesus said, if we love those, and we can add some words in it, if we love those who love us, if we are kind to those who are kind to us, if we're kind to our own, what more than the world are we? The world loves their own. You're called to love everybody, not because necessarily them, 
but because God calls us to love. We serve a God that is love. And so we are to love, not this person, not that person. We're called to love and pray for our enemies. My goodness, that's crazy. To, to reach out and to show love to the least of these, my brothers and sisters. To love those that disagree with me, that are different than me. Because it's not dependent on them. We show mercy for the sake of mercy. Remember that. We show mercy for the sake of mercy. And it might be even more mercy if it's somebody that was not one of us, that we disagree with, that we don't like. If someone needs mercy, they need mercy. Doesn't matter their political views. Doesn't matter their views on the pandemic. Doesn't matter if they're A&M fans, right? Well, that one, I might have pushed a little bit, right? It doesn't matter because mercy is for mercy's sake. And that's why it's so wonderful. That's why what Jesus did for us on the cross. Jesus went to the cross not because we're so good, but because we're lost and suffering to show us mercy. Mercy exists with God as Christians, for followers of Christ, those that are children of the light, Mercy exists, and we are to carry it out and to live it out for mercy's sake, period. Let us pray. Dear Lord, as we come to your table, I pray that these Holy Spirits would make these elements be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that in these elements you'll speak to us the message of grace and mercy, the mercy that you have shown us by giving your body and shedding your blood that we might have life, that we might be made whole, that we might be healed. Lord, that we might be more than what we are. And then not because of us, but because of your love, because of your grace, and because of your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.